With all the references you've heard already this morning in in the songs and the prayers, uh, the Scripture will come as no surprise. It's maybe a familiar portion of Scripture for you. I hope that it is. It's John chapter 10, Jesus' discourse on being the Good Shepherd. I invite you to follow along or simply listen as I read Scripture. John chapter 10, I'm beginning with verse 11. Let's hear God's Word. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Of all the metaphors that Jesus used to describe himself, the one that resonates with me the most is this one, Jesus as the Good Shepherd, even though I'm a city boy. The culture of Jesus' day understood shepherds and their sheep well. You know, some are fine with the whole idea of of Jesus, associating Jesus with being the good shepherd, but not so keen on the idea of being sheep. Sheep have uh, a reputation, apparently. Pastor Bob Hagel from First Presbyterian here in Jamestown, uh, he and his wife Kate live in the country, and they have animals, they have sheep, and I'd actually thought about borrowing one of their lambs or their sheep for this morning, but I thought that could probably go really bad, you know? I did text Bob, I assume he was preaching from the lectionary as well, and I said, Bob, are you, are you bringing a sheep or a lamb into the service with you this Sunday? He said, no, sheep are stupid and smelly. <laughs> I think Kate might be the shepherd in the family. Well, Jesus apparently did not take issue with being associated with sheep. In a mix of metaphors, uh, Scripture describes him as both the good shepherd and the Lamb of God. He is the Agnus Dei Quitolus Peccatamundi, the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he is the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Here are some interesting facts about sheep that you uh, might not know. Their pupils are rectangular in shape. I don't know, you maybe saw the sheep that's on the cover of the bulletin this morning. I don't know if, you, if it's close enough that you could can even see. Well, not really. Anyway, the pupils of their eyes are rectangular, so they, they can see nearly 360 degrees, so they can keep an eye out for predators as well as keep an eye on the shepherd. If sheep fall over or tip over on their back, they can't right themselves. The shepherd will need to, need to get them right again. Interesting. Their wool never stops growing. A pound of wool can yield nearly can, can produce as much as 10 miles of yarn. And depending on the breed, they will produce 2 to 30 pounds of wool a year. 
despite their reputation, sheep are clever and playful. Lambs love leaping, headbutting, and running around with friends. Sheep have good memories. They'll remember a face for years. They have best friends who they get attached to, and they grieve when a mate or a friend is gone. We may be more like sheep than we thought. How many of you have ever noticed the stained glass window when you walk here into Zion? Front entry. You notice it, haven't you? If you haven't, look at it on the way out this morning. Uh, that, that window is a sermon in itself. You'll see Jesus. In fact, the title of the, of the stained glass window is The Good Shepherd. Uh, that window came out of the old church. And uh, so it's been with us here at Zion for 120 or 100. And, we're going we're gonna to be 125 next year, so it's nearly that old. So on that, on that stained glass window is an image of Jesus uh, as the good shepherd. He's holding a lamb in his arms, and the lamb is looking adoringly into his face. There are other sheep on the picture. I'm, I'm serious. When you go out this morning, take a look at that, at that stained glass window. I don't even want to give them all away. There's one down front who's got the mis most mischievous look in his eyes. Jay's always said to me, I wonder what that one's thinking. What is he up to? There's another one that's looking up at Jesus, at the good shepherd, and another one that's looking away. And then there's still another one. There are two sheep. And the one sheep, he's not looking at Jesus. He's looking at the other sheep. And look at his eyes. He's looking really annoyed. I don't like that sheep. There's a whole sermon in that, in that, uh, uh, in that window. And the ways that we relate to the good shepherd as well as the ways that we sometimes relate to each other. Uh, when Jesus revealed himself um, as the good shepherd... He was telling us something about himself. He was hearkening back to Old Testament Hebrew tradition, if you will, where in the scriptures, in the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, God is described as the shepherd, the shepherd of his people, the shepherd of Israel. I think of Psalm 23, which David, a shepherd boy turned king, wrote. You know it. Many of you know it. In fact, I'm going to recite it. If you know it, you can say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a great passage to commit to memory, whether you do it in the King James or, or some other version. It is a great passage that can serve you for all of life. Increasingly, I look to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, as the one who restores my soul, who brings rest and renewal in this wounded and wounding world. For those of you who have young children or grandchildren, there's a great verse. In fact, if you're taking notes, even if you're not taking notes, write this down. If you're a young parent, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, write this down. Isaiah 40.11. That's all you need to write down. Isaiah 40.11. This is what it says. He tends, the Lord tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and holds them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. That scripture is saying that God delights in, he, he cherishes, He loves the little ones. 
He holds them in his arm. He holds them close to his chest, close to his heart. He's carrying your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews. And he gently leads those who have young. Those of you who have young, you're not alone in this. The good shepherd is there to help you and to guide you in the raising up of those little ones who are so precious to the Lord. The good shepherd, the good and good shepherd is not just about being kind or gentle, but the kind of care and diligence that are given. The shepherd's job was severe, it was tiring, it was hazardous. I think of King David when, when he was a shepherd boy. He fought off, at least on one occasion, a lion and a bear in order to protect his flock from danger. Jesus did battle with a much more formidable foe. He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. That was not just a figure of speech. And then there's the hymn that we just sang, which I've said this before here. Somebody please remember this if I die on the job. Uh, hymn number 84 that we just sang, the king of love my shepherd is. I want that sung at my funeral. I love that hymn. Uh, you know, the, the, one of the verses that, that has always struck me what says, his goodness fails me never. I nothing lack when I am his, and he is mine forever. And a verse that I can relate to, verse 3, perverse and foolish I have strayed, but in his love he sought me, and on his shoulders gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. And then the last verse, which, you know, every good hymn ends with, uh, with uh, pointing us to future glory. And so through all the length of days, your goodness fails me never. Good shepherd, may I sing your praise within your house forever. You know, like I said, I want that sung at my funeral and many times before. Middle Eastern shepherds are well known for having a personal devotion to their sheep. They talk to them. They sing to them. Many of them carry a little flute. They, they play a simple little melody that, um, that, that is repeated, that is recognized by the sheep. Arab shepherds today can separate personal sheep from larger flocks by using peculiar calls. Sheep can even actually learn their names. You probably know the name of one famous sheep, Dolly. Dolly was, uh, does that sound familiar to you? Dolly was the first mammal cloned a little over 20 years ago in Edinburgh, Scotland. Name for Dolly Parton, that's all I'm going to say. All right, I was told not to tell you this in the first, after this first service, but I'm going to tell you. You all know who Dolly Parton is, right? Well, Dolly, the, the sheep, was named for Dolly Parton because the cell that was used to clone her was taken from a mammary gland cell. That's how she got the name Dolly Parton. So, now you know. The shepherd of the sheep calls his own by name, Jesus says, and leads them out. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jesus expresses his love and his devotion to those who belong to him. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is speaking in the strongest terms of his love and devotion uh, both for the Father as well as for us. And what Jesus is expressing is he, he, he's, 
as intimate and, and close as the relationship that Jesus has with his own father, that's the relationship that he has with his sheep. That's the relationship that he desires to have with his sheep. And Jesus said in verse 16 of our text, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's alluding to those who are outside of Israel, the outcast and marginalized, including Gentiles. Jesus is setting the stage for a broader and more expansive kingdom, a larger table, Gentile inclusion. But the point is the same, whether you're a Jew, a Gentile, whatever your identity may be, those who belong to Jesus will know his voice. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. Do you know the voice of the good shepherd? How good are you at recognizing voices in general? You remember in the days before caller ID and uh, cell phones that would bring up the name of the person who's calling? We had to rely on our hearing, didn't we? If the caller didn't immediately identify who they were, you had to rely on your hearing. Who is this? Whose voice is this? You remember those days? Well, some, voice, some voices you wouldn't need to see a caller ID. If, I, if my mother calls, I wouldn't even need to see the ID. I'd, I would know her voice immediately, of course. Or my four brothers. I could distinguish, I would know exactly which one of the four uh, I'm talking to. Even between the twins, there's a distinction in voices. My dad's been gone for five years. I still know my dad's voice. My grandparents have been gone even longer. I would recognize their voices. We had fun, actually, in staff this week. We thought about how much people recognize voices, and so we had our phones out Googling different people and actually played some of them in the service this morning. But we sort of did it to each other. We'd look up somebody like JFK or Martin Luther King and had to guess whose voice it was. And there are many voices that many of us here would recognize. I brought up C.S. Lewis's voice, which most of you probably have never heard C.S. Lewis's voice. Many people haven't. And I played that for the staff, and they didn't know who it was, but they heard enough, they they sort of guessed because they know me. They said, oh, that's C.S. Lewis. And then one of them said, I'd rather read him than hear him. (laughs) So how familiar are you with the voice of the Good Shepherd, the voice of Jesus? I'm not asking necessarily if you hear an audible voice. You may. In most cases, probably not. The longer that you walk with Jesus, the deeper your experience of God and his love, the more you will come to recognize the voice of Jesus and and come to not only know that voice, but also to trust that voice when you hear it. You will know that it is he who is speaking. You'll know it in the depths of your being. You may hear him in scripture. You may hear him in a sermon. You may hear it in a song. You may hear it through the words of a friend or a brother or sister in Christ. In fact, sometimes, in my experience, sometimes people have been speaking to me and they didn't even know that that God was speaking through them. But I knew it immediately. That's God. In fact, I didn't call it out in the first service, but there's somebody here in our congregation who I'm not even especially close to But once in a while, we'll get together. And I don't know what it is about the two of us, but there's some kind of mystical connection between us because he's told his wife the same. But there have been times when he's he's talking to me 
And I'm like, ooh, God just spoke to me through you. And he didn't even know. He didn't even know what he was saying. And it's happened a number of times. It's kind of uncanny. But I knew, I knew immediately that's the voice of Jesus speaking to me. There are a lot of people in the world today who do not hear the voice of Jesus, even some who call themselves believers. There were many in Jesus' day who could not hear or understand the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus was grieved by the masses of people who he said were like sheep without a shepherd. They were cast down. They were harassed. The Bible says that they were, that, that they were, that they were shepherdless. They were uncertain what voices to listen to. The voices that they heard were not helping them to draw near to God. In many ways, the voices kept them in bondage and brokenness, separated and shamed. I remember a conversation I had with an acquaintance of mine before coming here to Jamestown. He was in his early to mid-80s. And uh, he had been active in the church all his life. And he was going through a crisis of faith. He was, he was involved in another church, not mine, but I knew him from in the community. As it turned out, as I, as I was talking with him, what had happened was that over the course of his life in the church, his pastors, his shepherds, had somehow managed to undermine his faith. Undermine it when he needed it most. It wasn't there. You know, sheep are accountable for their own faith. We are, you are accountable for your own faith. Shepherds are doubly accountable for what they teach. By the way, this whole discourse on the Good Shepherd, if you look at the context of it, the audience were the Pharisees and the religious leaders once again. I mean, we take these words, we hear these words, we go like, ah, I really like that notion of Jesus being my Good Shepherd. But this word was spoken to the religious leaders, and what it was was a scathing indictment on their spiritual leadership or failed spiritual leadership. Jesus is calling them thieves and hired hands who care nothing for the sheep. They didn't even understand the figure of speech that he was using, but, but it was a scathing indictment on their failed spiritual leadership of Israel. That's what was going on. I'm a shepherd. That's what the word pastor means. The word pastor means shepherd. I'm a shepherd, but I'm first and foremost also a sheep. And hearing the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, takes practice and intentionality, and it is something that I attempt to do. It is a still, small voice, which means that there needs to be space and time to be still and listening, learning to hear and learning to trust that voice. Jesus himself, we know from the scriptures, would get up early in the morning, go off to a quiet place to commune with his Father, to hear the voice of his Father. In fact, if you, if you caught at the end of our scripture this morning, Jesus says, I have authority to lay down my life and authority to take it up again. This I received as a command from my Father. Jesus went to the cross as a result of having listened to and heard the voice of his Father. He knew what he was supposed to do. And because Jesus went off to quiet places and was still and was, was alone with his Father, communing and listening and praying, he was able to engage in the world. Jesus was able to do the right thing at the right time and with the right heart. That ought to speak to us about how we live our daily lives, about how we conduct business in the church, how we do church. 
listening to the voice of our shepherd so that we do the right thing at the right time and with the right heart. There are times when I've heard the voice of Jesus it may only be a prompting, a nudging. There are times when it came as a word of conviction or correction. Other times when it comes as a word of assurance or comfort. One of the clearest moments that I heard the voice of Jesus in recent years, it came in the form of a question, which if you know anything about Jesus, a lot of what he presented came in the form of questions, and it came as a question to me that sent me on a quest. Don't be surprised to hear the voice of Jesus. It may not be what you expect. It may not even be what you want to hear, but it's the voice of, of Jesus. There are some Christians who it does not take long to figure out what voices they are listening to in this current culture. Too many of us sit in the echo chambers of social media. We listen to the voices of Fox News or CNN. It is not the voice of Jesus, my friends, that leads you to division, polarization, judgment, exclusion, anger, and fear. You might recall me having said this a few times from the pulpit here at Zion, you are your five closest friends. Those closest to you, who you spend the most time with, who are speaking into your life, they are shaping you. For good or ill, they are shaping you. The book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom, says a companion of fools will become a fool. The wise get wisdom. Are the influencing voices in your life helping you to become a better person? Kinder, more gracious and loving, grateful and hopeful? Or are they negative voices that breed fear, suspicion, cynicism, mistrust, discontent, or despair? Are the voices around you helping you to become more fully the person God created you to be, more alive? Or are they holding you back, stunting your growth? Is your, is your heart expanding or is it shrinking? And for us as a church, as we listen to the voice of our Good Shepherd, as we listen to voices around us, is the table getting bigger or is it getting smaller? Who are we listening to? A friend, was sharing, a friend from, from Zion here was sharing with me a conversation that he had recently with an old friend. They were catching up and the friend asked him, he said, who, who are the people who are influencing you these days? These days? Who, are, who are the people around you that are speaking into your life? And... Um, he named a handful of people, and then his friend said to him, you didn't mention Jesus. Now, I don't think he was trying to be hyper-spiritual. Uh, it was just a fair observation of one Christ follower to another. Those of you who have been covenanters for a long time, you know that we ask the question, how goes your walk? Are you in Christ yet? That's really what he was asking. And it gave my friend pause to think, well, how am I listening to Jesus? What role does Jesus have in my life these days? Am I, how closely am I walking? How closely am I listening? And then my friend said to me, when he thought about Jesus, he said, I think of Jesus like Mr. Rogers. Took me back at first. I thought, well, it's not a terrible analogy. It's just not complete. I mean, Mr. Rogers was a very calming presence, wasn't he? Calming, non-anxious presence. He was very inviting. Man, he did a great job of pouring into uh, the hearts of, of young people, 
uh, lots of wisdom, lots of knowledge. And, and you probably know this, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. I would expect that some of the things coming out of his mouth would sound like the voice of Jesus. Well, my friend was encouraged by his friend to actually read Jesus, to read the Gospels again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to pay attention especially to the red letters of Jesus. You know, if Jesus is the clearest revelation of God, then all the more reason, if he's our good shepherd and we want to know him and we, and, and we want to hear, understand, or know his voice, recognize his voice, all the more compelling reason for us to be in the Gospels Again, if Jesus is the clearest revelation of God, then what Jesus said and what he did is really important to come to know him. So I thought it was really good advice that my friend was given. And probably a good reminder for any of us, if we really want to hear the voice of Jesus, you're surely going to hear it here. I mean, the Gospels aren't just a history book about the life of Jesus. They're a living testament. You can expect to hear from Jesus through this written word. There are times, perhaps, when you'll be reading the New Testament, reading Jesus' words, and it may sound like the voice of Mr. Rogers. Won't you be my neighbor? There are other times when it might sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be Bach. Because Jesus said he's going to come back. It might not sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but... Oh, come on. Jesus said comforting things. He said challenging things. He communicated love and he spoke truth. To those who were on the outside, to the sinners, the outcasts, the marginalized, I think they heard Jesus like, won't you be my neighbor? And to the religious leaders that Jesus was speaking to, even in our context today, you know what Jesus' voice sounded like to them? Probably like fingernails on a chalkboard. You know some of the things Jesus said to them. Here he calls them thieves and hired hands who care nothing for the sheep. In other places he called them a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. He said, you shut people out from the kingdom of God. He said, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles, among unbelievers because of you. You travel great distances to win one convert and then you make them twice the son of hell that you are. That was the voice of Jesus, too. How very different our lives, our homes, our churches, our world would be if we would listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. You know, there was a time in Jesus' ministry when many people were leaving him. There were times when he had crowds of thousands, but near the end, uh, the crowds got very small, dwindled. People turned a deaf ear to Jesus, they walked away. And Jesus said to his disciples, are you going to leave me also? And his disciples said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus, the good shepherd, the word made flesh, has the words, the voice that leads to life and more life. May we learn better to hear the voice of our shepherd, to trust that voice, and to follow. Amen. Let's pray.
Holy and gracious God, we thank you that you are our shepherd, that you love us, that you hold us close to your heart. And when we wander far off, you, you seek us out and you bring us back. God, you are so gentle in all your ways and sometimes severe in your ways. But we thank you, God, for your great love for us. We thank you that you tend the flock like a shepherd. Help us to be faithful in following. In Jesus' name, amen.